0: On with the episode. Vibrant. 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 Music teaching. Proven and practical. Tips. Strategies. And ideas. For for music music teachers. teachers. You're listening to the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton and today we're talking about performance anxiety. Hello lovely teachers, welcome back to the show. Today's topic is one that I felt like I could choose to be excited about or terrified to talk about. The reason to be terrified of it is because I am slightly terrified of it. I'm not a born performer and I have dealt with a lot of performance anxiety or at least pretty severe nerves in the past. However, the reason to be excited about it, and that's the route I'm choosing to go, as you might expect for me, is because I get to read and learn and discuss with you something that I need to know more about. So this article was not written by me. The research was done and the article was written by the lovely Joanna, who's one of the editors on our team. We're going to discover some tips together and hopefully I'll share some of my insights along the way. But this is definitely something I want to get better at teaching. Now, it's not that I haven't helped my students through this at all or that I haven't gotten a little bit better myself about it. But it's not an area that I feel naturally I have a lot of, I guess, creative ideas to do with. I feel like it's an area where I really need to draw on other people's expertise. And that's something we should all do and embrace doing when that's gonna be a benefit to our students, right? We have this wonderful global community of music teachers. And if there's an area like this for you, it might not be performance anxiety. Maybe you're awesome at dealing with that and helping students through it, but it might be another area. Draw from other people. Don't feel like you have to come up with these solutions all the time yourself. So first of all, I'll talk about my own experience with performing just to fill you in. (laughs) So I didn't actually perform in front of an audience that wasn't an examiner until I was about 15 or 16 so i switched teachers again at that stage it was my third teacher i was changing to the new teacher was in like a bigger music school and they did performances twice a year as i now do at my music school but up until then i'd been with private teachers and it's i'd say pretty uncommon anyway almost unheard of for like private at home teachers to do recitals over here in Ireland it's just I've never heard about anyone doing that other than now members who do it who I think are mostly inspired by people from other countries which is great but anyway when I was about 15 or 16 I switched teachers and I did that at the start of a school year so in September and then found out I was expected to perform in a concert (laughs) in December because they did a Christmas concert I think I mean I don't even remember being that nervous for it I remember just suddenly being in front of the audience and being terrified <laughs> because I'd never done that before. And I guess I didn't even know enough to feel nervous beforehand. I didn't know how different it would feel, but it did. And it didn't go that well. And honestly, none of my performances in that school went that well. I always had this nervousness and yeah, they they weren't the best performances in the world. Let's just leave it at that. I always had really shaky hands and you know just terrified and it felt like kind of felt like being in a daze do you know what i mean by that feels like kind of an out of body experience i guess i should escalate my assessment of my own nervousness into anxiety probably right <laughs> anyway so that was my experience with performing until i became a teacher and really had to perform for students on a regular basis and perform in art concerts. And that's really where I've gotten better at it. Now, all the while, all through that, I did other things where I was performing. Like I was in plays and things like that in school. I was in choir, so performing in the group. But I was sometimes given solos, which was terrifying. Um, But I was fine in the group. I was performing in Irish dancing all the time. Yeah, it was particular to piano that it was this terrifying. And it was pretty bad in exams, but worse in front of an audience. And I do believe that's just because of not having that experience a little bit younger, of being in front of an audience. So I think I would have been not the most confident performer anyway because I've always been quite introverted, shy, don't look at me kind of person. and even more so when I was a child. but I do think it would have been better if I'd started a bit younger. However, we are going to conquer some of these performing anxiety issues. Today, let's go through some of the things your students might be feeling in the lead up to a concert or to an exam. They might have a fear of failure or a fear of others judging them or criticizing them. It wasn't that I was afraid people would say I was not good enough. It was more just that I didn't want them to witness me being not good enough. Yeah. Messing up in front of peers, I'd say that's definitely was one for me expectations on how their performance should go. So I think this is for those students who one of my students right now is like this who have sort of perfectionist tendencies and their anxiety really comes from this buildup of expectations on this beautiful or epic or wonderful or perfect performance. They also might just not trust in themselves. I have another student who I think of for this one who is just so underconfident in her own abilities, right? She just doesn't believe she can do it, even when she patently can. Like, (laughs) it's apparent to me and to her parents and to anyone else watching that she is fully capable of doing this, but yet she doesn't believe it in her core. She believes that she's having to struggle and push so much harder than other students are, and that leads to a lot of nervousness around performing as well. Now, there might also be some... I guess, real fears or not even real fears, but founded fears <laughs> mixed in with this. So we can almost split up the performance anxiety into two different categories of sorts. One is a student who is fear, afraid of the performance because they are not ready. They are not prepared. And the other is a student who just has this anxiety about performing no matter how prepared they are. They're both real and they both can cause students to perform worse than they otherwise would. But the reality is some students are afraid for good reason, right? It's not an irrational fear. It's very rational because they are not ready. Now, the thing that really helped me through this is sort of the pre-tip that Joanna shares in her article. And it's something I try to get across to my students, but I feel like I need a better way to do it. Or maybe it's just something that you just can't get when you're that young. As Joanna puts it, performance is about connection. When we put so much focus on ourselves, that's usually when the anxiety builds up. And what helps me is to think about the audience and the reality of the audience, like how they really are. They are there thinking that they would like to enjoy some music. They're not there to judge you. They're not there to criticize you or anything They're just there and they're not going to look at every minute detail. They really are just there to enjoy some music. In the case of an exam, even in an exam, they want you to be good. I doubt the examiners go in to work thinking, oh, I'm going to nitpick at everything today because no student is good enough for me. No, they want to see good performances too. So Joanna says that performing is not about them playing the piece perfectly, but about moving and affecting their audience, engaging with them and making them feel something. So this is the concept that I feel you do need a certain maturity in my experience to really get this. But if we can at least plant those seeds in our younger students, I do think it can help them later on. Now, let's get into the tips of what we can really do about our students who have performance anxiety, who are worried about an upcoming exam or concert or anything like that. Joanna's first tip is to come up with a list of mind calmers, as she calls them, which I love. These are things that can soothe your nerves and things they can think about that can kind of calm the senses down. So it could be a favourite book, going for a walk, perhaps around a favourite park or mountain or something like that. It could be dance parties. It could be a favourite TV series or a comforting movie. This is one I'm going to take on board right away myself and ask my students about things that make them feel calm. When was the last time they felt calm? Or when is it a time they can think about when they really felt that sense of calm? And then we can come back to that moment. So this is almost like the kind of stereotypical or trope kind of thing that comes up on TV shows about going to the happy place right or the calm place and people picture green meadow and butterflies or whatever they picture but I think making it unique to your student is a lot more powerful than that so coming up with this mind camera that's going to work for them that makes them feel confident and calm and kind of grounded in a way. Tip number two is one that I definitely encourage them to do, but I don't think students usually follow through on unless the parent gets involved. And that is to perform for family, for friends and for stuffed animals. It sounds silly when I say it to students and I think they don't always follow through on it, but it really does make a difference. I know for myself, even sitting down in front of a camera to play something will help, even if I'm not going to post that video anywhere. I mean, it shouldn't make any difference, but it does because you make it into an event. So that's why having the stuffed animals watching you works, because you have an audience and you're going to play that piece as best as you can for that audience and then let it go. It's all about practicing this skill of performing because it is a separate skill that we need more opportunities to practice. Now, tip number three is to be Prepared. We definitely need our students to really know their piece or their scales or whatever they're going to be asked to do in this performance. We need them to know it really well so that they can ground themselves in this knowledge that they are good enough, that they have prepared correctly. I said this to a teacher who works here the other day about preparing a teenager for a performance in her school. And I said, look, teenagers. They seem like little adults in many ways, like they have their strong opinions and they have a personality which is very developed and a social life and lots of things going on. But what they usually don't have yet is organizational skills. They don't have the executive function yet. And so we have to be that for them. We have to set up schedules to help them prepare for performances and help hold them to that. We should involve them in creating that schedule it should be part of the lesson so that they learn something from that process. But we can't assume that we can give a teenager, or definitely not a child, a performance date and say, okay, the pieces need to be ready for then, so stay on top of it, you know? They're not going to be able to split things up in a way that makes sense for that goal. So this is where we need to step up, step in and set up a schedule with them. What I like to do is to start with the date of the exam or performance, and work backwards so literally with them we start with that date and then we write a list of the lessons before that date going all the way back to today so like basically every week all the way back and cross out the ones that are holidays in the studio that that they're not going to have a lesson and then we can work backwards because we know by that date we need to be confidently playing the pieces and ready to perform them so what do we need to be like the week before well, we need to pretty much have the pieces ready to perform the week before or we're going to feel super anxious. And then we work backwards from there, like to figure out when is the date when we need to be able to play them at about half the tempo? When do we need to be able to really add the dynamics and make them come to life? As part of that preparation process I think the last few weeks we should be practicing a sort of performance ritual. Joanna brings up power poses which I think is a fun suggestion even though by the way that TED talk is based on a study that was kind of um disproven in a way but I think it's still a fun thing to do and honestly the the placebo effect could come in um, to help us believe in the power poses even if the study didn't quite work out the way it seemed to in that TED talk. Another thing to do is to just simply slow down the breathing. I try to insist my students do this already. This is something I've implemented for quite a while, where we do something like the Breath of Five, which is a a video kind of walks them through the process which is in the vibrant music teaching library or just a similar routine like that where you're slowing down the breathing counting for three then counting for four then counting for five so that your breathing gets slower and slower because often all we need to do to or a large part of fixing the anxiety about something that we feel in our bodies is to in my view trick the body (laughs) into acting a different way like if we are running from a wolf our breathing is going to be going fast, right? So if we slow down that breathing, our body starts to feel like we're going to this mode where we're not running from a wolf. You know, we don't need to have this extreme anxiety reaction. I love Joanna's next tip, which is to become the evil examiner. So if you don't do exams, you could become the worst audience member ever. And she says, oftentimes when we face the monster, we see that it has no teeth. So we can become the rudest audience member or examiner that our student is never likely to encounter, right? And it can be really fun then. So we can make it into this really fun moment with our students, a bit of a laugh, a bit of a joke, but it can really alleviate a lot of anxiety when we realize, when we bring this concept of judgment or people being critical of us or whatever it is we think is going to happen. When we bring it out into reality and face it and say, what would that really be like? What would my reaction really be? So if you have this evil examiner who is extremely rude and says horrible things and sniffs at you and laughs at your performance, what would your reaction really be? And how could you react differently? Because honestly, if somebody is behaving like that to your face, you should just feel bad for them. you know? So I love that suggestion of sort of realizing our students' worst fears in a jokey kind of way to help them see that it's not going to be the end of the world. I can't even remember who this was, so excuse me if it was you and you're listening to this, but some a teacher I know, I remember saying to me ages ago, and I have used this one, is to say, okay, so what will happen if you play a wrong note in this concert? For example, they say, "Mm, I don't know, or they come up with an answer and then you say in your deepest, darkest, most evil voice, you say, well, the ground will open and it will swallow you up, something like that. So you're making it light of it, yes, but also helping them to see that what is really the problem here? Like, if I don't play this piece perfectly, what is actually going to happen? Well, nothing. Of course, we're going to try and we want to share beautiful music with the audience. But what's actually going to come to light if this doesn't go the way we planned? Right. So it helps avoid that catastrophizing. Another tip, if your student is playing from memory, especially, is to chunkify, as Joanna calls it, the piece. So this is where you break it up into sections and you have starting spots. Um, Graham Fitch calls this a super starting spot. So he writes SSS, I think, on pieces, or maybe, maybe that's just something I did because of his name for it, which is super starting spot. But I like that as a reference if you don't have sections already on students' pieces. The idea is that they have these places that they can start from so that if their memory fails or just their playing fails, even if they're playing with the score, they can jump to that spot and they know it's a good place to pick up from again. One really good way to practice this is to have your student play their piece. And well, there's two options. I like both of these. You can either just say stop at a random point and then they need to stop, pause for a second, pick it up right away from the nearest starting spot with the nearest start of a section. Or you can have them play and you say jump. And that means they need to start from the next starting spot every time you do it, hopefully without even missing a beat just jump and they immediately jump there so that they're so used to starting from those spots that if they make a mistake, they can just do it right away. Speaking of making mistakes, Joanna recommends embracing performance mistakes, playing the piece with energy and engagement and creativity, rather than focusing on playing everything exactly correctly. And we have a great game for this inside the library, which is called Unicorn Horncraft. If you're a member and you haven't used it, it's so much fun and students absolutely love it. So definitely check that one out. Again, it's called Unicorn Horncraft. Just search for Unicorn and you'll find it. The next tip is to make recordings. This one is huge. And it's extra good if your student will watch them. So try to do this in the lessons, because if you just tell them to do it at home, they will not. But if you do it in the lessons and you keep doing it, they might start doing it at home. I have a camera always above my piano now, so I just turn that on and take a quick recording so their face isn't in it, it's just their hands. And then we watch it back together on my bigger screen that I have. So they just turn around to look at my screen and we watch it straight away because And you will have experienced this sometimes we think we played one way and it isn't reality at all so sometimes we think we did terribly and we actually played quite well and sometimes we think we played quite well but we were actually going back and forth or you know backtracking we played some wrong notes we didn't even notice something like that definitely making recordings is great for that reason but it's also great for the same reason as the stuffed animal audiences which is you get that sense of occasion you get okay i'm going to make a recording now it's starting, I need to keep going. Whereas when we're just regularly practicing or playing in a lesson, we can just sort of restart things without thinking so much about how much we're doing that and how we're not able to play it from start to finish, you know, cold, um, straight away, as we're gonna be doing when we walk on a stage or into an exam room. My final tip that I'll leave you with is to practice, practice, practice. Any opportunity you can get to get your students performing is really valuable. This can mean doing more regular concerts in your studio. So finding smaller concert opportunities, smaller performances just for other students, things like that. But also if you have overlapping lessons like me or occasional group workshops or anything like that, provide those opportunities for your students to play for each other. These are almost like mini performances, but they do give a little bit of the sense of nervous energy that your student is gonna get in a bigger concert and it helps them practice dealing with that. Your one thing this week is my one thing this week, which is to take your nervous students and come up with a list of things that might calm their mind and settle on one of those together and then keep referring to that going forward before they do a performance practice. I hope you enjoyed this episode and this exploration of some performance anxiety tips with me. If you did enjoy it, if you want to give me your thoughts on it, if you have any questions, I would love to hear from you. Just come find me over on Instagram at ColorfulKeys or in the comments section of the blog. I'll see you there. If you ever get overwhelmed by all the different teacher training options out there, vibrant music teaching is the place for you we nickname our members flamingos because they're masters of balancing all of the things and making it all work in a way that isn't overwhelming we have tools to help you do that inside vibrant music teaching so go to vmt.ninja and sign up today